everybody, this is James. And Marco. And Abel. And this is the Movie Pals Podcast, episode number 10. And today's pod is brought to you by Waterfront Comics, located at 609 Main Street, Sassoon City, California. Open every day from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. So if you're looking for a gift for your avid comic book fan or a collectible for a friend, come to Waterfront Comics. John is the guy to see. And if you can't come in person, no worries. Waterfront Comics does ship to home via their email, waterfrontcomics at gmail.com. So in today's pod, we're going to be going over what we've been watching, a couple news items, a topic by Marco today, and we're going to review the new Marvel film, Thor Ragnarok. So let's start with James. What you watching? So actually, guys, since we just recorded last week, this is you know not normal for us. So totally very short <laughs> period of time here. Normally we have like two weeks to watch something, but this time around, I don't know, just work and me coming up with excuses is why I haven't watched too much. I did catch up to like my normal shows. Um, nothing too crazy this week. I really liked um, Mr. Robot this week though. It was really good. Did you yeah. watch episode four yet or no? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I actually just saw it uh, last night. Yeah. Solid episode. Just like an update on that. I got to say, the CW shows this week are kind of weak. Really? I don't know if you caught on with those. Nibble, are you still catching up or no? No, I'm caught kind of, up. I think I'm caught up to The Flash. Um, I didn't the, like Because the new that. episode isn't this week. Is this week, right? So I've not yeah. seen that yet. They have um, an episode that kind of explains, um, what's his name, Vibe? What's his name from the show? D- doesn't he already have okay. an explanation and an no, origin no, it's story? No, like, no, it's like a romantic subplot with him this week, and it was like, eh, okay, I guess. And then Arrow was kind of weak. They kind of let me down. Again, he already had that Actually, too. you know what? No, like I take that back. Two. Legends of Tomorrow was a better, it was probably oh. the best one out of the three. Still because they, strong, so it's gotten better then. Yeah, they did like a Halloween episode where they go back to the 80s. Oh, okay. And they kind of do like an E.T. kind of thing. It's, uh, it's really cool, actually. So it's they, really so they cool. borrowed uh, from Stranger Things. Okay. But, yeah, Stranger Things borrowed from everything. Though. Yeah, actually, it didn't. They, yeah, you're making it sound like Stranger Things is original. <laughs> oh, they're not. I'm just saying because it's you know Stranger that sort of thing like, is in right now. Stranger, so. Stranger Things could be renamed to homages of the 80s, 80s. <laughs> basically. Um, outside of that, though, I actually stopped watching The Walking Dead as I, you know, R.I.P. Walking. Dead. Yeah, jo- uh, join the club. I was like, <laughs> good 2011 to 2017 run. Rest in peace, sweet prince. So I decided to actually go back because I had skipped watching Riverdale season two because I had way too many shows. And this year I kind of made a promise to myself not to have too many shows because I want to balance it out with uh, playing some games and catching up on old movies. So I started uh, Riverdale season two and I binge watched uh, the four episodes. So I'm all up to date now. Um, Man, this show is good. It is so fucking good. It's ridiculous. I feel like it's just super like... Over the top drama, teenage drama, but even no, darker because some it's got that, a mix. That, see, that's that's the that's Not what even. feeling I get is I'm like, okay, so it's like nine oh two one oh but darker? Is that is it's that about like right? a mix of this season's like Twin Peaks and the Zodiac Killer. Jeez. It is and yeah. changed tone. <laughs> yep. It's crazy. It's okay. a the whole point of this season is there's right. a mass vigilante called the Black Hood, and he is a serial killer killing people around Riverdale. And they're, um, it's like there's a mystery behind it all, and it's 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 crazy. It's and really that weird. had to do with Archie Howe. Uh, this is based it's on the new on rebooted yeah. um, Archie comics. Mm-hmm. So the creator of this show is actually the guy that took over from the original Archie and made it into the modern day Archie that's on Comic Sans now. So this is in line with actually what's going on. It's actually really good. Like I can't stress this enough. Like so that hood character is like in the new. Archie the hood character is in the universe of the Archie comics, and actually has been featured in the DC universe. So, oh, they're intertwining. Too. Wow, Ooh, right? Okay. I like it, man. There's even hints that like that Archie's going to meet uh, Arrow. <laughs> uh, Sabrina, I think, is in there too. The <laughs> yeah, teenage witch. That's part of their. Uh, There's like a slight Karen. little hint that there's more going on. Is there any reason to add somebody else in, right? Why yeah, not? they have like the Pussycat dolls and yeah. everything, but um, Josie and the Pussycats. Overall, man, I gotta say, I really like this show. I think it's probably one of my favorite shows. You know, that's I find that interesting too, because I, I know you haven't really read much of the Archie comics. I want maybe like an issue too, like everybody, yeah. you know. So, yeah, 
So well, you guys say it. Like, I guess I'm the only one that ever read Archie comics. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you had to have come across at least one Archie comic and kind of skim through it. Or like a Betty Veronica or something. Yeah. Right. yeah. And so that's Not one, Nabil? I've read many. Not just one. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought you were saying no, the no, opposite. No. I thought you were saying, oh, I, I've never read one I've before. I've seen many. I would say if you, if anything, give the show a chance. I yeah. wouldn't judge it just because like, oh, it's an Archie one. It's crazy. Like it's not as crazy as the comics, like where he's meeting Predator and shit. But I mean, well, that's <laughs> more the, the recent stuff. What? Yeah, there's a Predator one. Yeah, no. The recent stuff they do. Yeah, what? they do really. And these things are super successful. That's it's been going on show. for like 60, 70 years. These comics. Yeah. Does he fight off Predator? Um, I'm, I haven't read it. To tell you the truth, there's even one where there's a zombie, like a apocalypse happens. Yeah. Interesting. I never, I never knew this. There's mm-hmm. pl- well, what I'm saying is that there's plenty of material to fo- play off of, and yeah. the fact that they went in a darker tone and still are able to make it kind of campy is actually pretty good. Yeah, I would say so. And I, I don't know. The leads are super likable, man. I just thought I that know. they went to high school and ate burgers and shit. That's, no, there's like hit. so much more Maybe to it. So That's many the, random things. Come on, man. I, I'm not into shows like that. So like, no, I know the fact that this took over Walking Dead. Like, this is a better show than The Walking Dead. And where's it streaming right now? Um, the, you can go on the CW app, yeah, just like yeah, the other shows. CW, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, if you've never, and I want to say first season is all on Netflix too. Yeah, I, I thought, I thought I saw it on which there. Which is part of their, their okay. deal with Netflix, just like Arrow and Flash and Legends. I mean, the CW's got a good lineup for, you know, for, especially from what they were coming from. And then they got all these DC shows and now Riverdale and they still got shows like Supernatural on and some other, you know. Yeah, no, extremely like popular. It's still good. Yeah, extremely popular show. lineups. Okay. Yep, uh, but that's all I've been watching. What about you, Marco? Um, in the same boat as James, where I haven't really been watching much, but uh, I did get a chance to check out a movie called Begin Again with Mark Ruffalo oh, and Kira Knightley. Very nice. Uh, and it was uh, directed by John Carney, who also did the movie Sing Street, which is streaming on Netflix right now. Really good film also. And he did a movie called Once, which I haven't seen, but... Uh, James just let me borrow it. James, so I'm James loves that. those movies, by the way. I, he introduced me to those ones, and they're really good. Yeah, I, I can't wait to watch the next one in uh, his music film series. But They uh, all have like a slight sadness to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little depressing. But uh, the movie basically just follows uh, the character Dan Mulligan, played by Mark Ruffalo, and he's a formerly successful record label exec in New York who's uh, struggling to keep up with uh, the changing in uh, the music industry. Eventually gets fired from his job and goes out on a drinking binge <laughs> and eventually meets uh, Greta James, played by Kira Knightley. And she's a young songwriter from England who just broke up with her boyfriend slash co-songwriter, played by uh, Adam Levine from Maroon 5, of yeah. all people. Yeah. Um, who actually didn't do that bad as an actor. No, not too many scenes, but he does pretty well. Yeah. Uh, so Dan, a.k.a. Mark Ruffalo, is impressed by Greta's music, offers to sign her to his former record label, and initially she says no at first and then changes her mind, but the catch is that they're going to have to record their own demo. Um, but it's it's very well written and directed. The, the music in it is also really good, which is one of the things that I enjoyed about Sing Street is, um, man, just how good the music is composed and i'm i'm pretty picky with my music you can you can ask james that i just like i don't really like everything that's thrown at me music wise but i I gotta say that both of these movies had great original music that's and it's like real music not just scores but actual like singing and lyrics type stuff well and the great thing too about that is that the whole thing about the demos that they're just music using music that's in the street that's outside it's not even just using traditional instruments yeah yeah that's that's one of the one of the things that helps carry the film is that they decide to record their demo differently not in a studio but they decide to use locations around new york in order to create this like masterpiece that they're going to present to the record label but uh, the performances from the actors are genuine and authentic uh, I think Carney knows how to bring about the realism in his actors, and it's definitely one of my favorite Keira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo movies, hands down. It's uh, it's one you should definitely check out. Again, it's uh, it's got a little sad undertones to it, uh, but it's it's very enjoyable. Um, I'd recommend it to like I mean, if you, anybody that's a fan of uh, musicals, especially because um, right. it sort of flows like a musical, but it's 
not cheesy, if that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, there's it's more like the the theme of the film is obviously music. Um it's all about it's all around the movie, but it's music is kind of like the accompaniment. It's the movie itself has a deep story and it just happens that music is a center point for it. Yeah, and I think uh Adam Levine wrote some music for the movie too. Yeah, right? he has like three or four songs, I think. Yeah. And but, I'm not going to yeah. lie, I kind of like this stuff better than the stuff he plays from Maroon 5. <laughs> so, well, that's too bad. to be. Well, Mark, I do like that. Uh, I, I like to think that Mark Ruffalo's character in Begin Again um, is kind of what how he took the whole character of uh, Bruce Banner and really <laughs> yeah. sad and brooding. Oh also shit! Kind of optimistic. I saw like, two Mark Ruffalo movies yeah. in a week. I just realized yeah. that. I was gonna bring that up when we saw Thor. I was like, yeah. man, is this weird seeing him again? Yeah. See, the Bill, I thought for a minute there you were gonna say that he reminded me of me. Uh, he reminded you of me going out on a drinking binge after a bad day. So, she just no, the difference is that you wouldn't you just have found a, uh, yeah. a writer to help you out. <laughs> yeah, I just need to bump into a singer songwriter. So, Neville, what have you been watching? Well, you know, like you said, James, I hadn't had a chance to really catch up on a lot of things. Um, but I do, you know, I have been watching some of the regular Sunday shows. Um, specifically, I wanted to talk about the Family Guy uh, this last episode. Did you guys see Family Guy? Yeah, I saw it. I have not. I haven't kept up with Family Guy in, I want to say, like six or seven years. Oh. Yeah. This is probably one of the best episodes I in agree. a while. And this is what I was going to bring up. Specifically, this episode, um, has they they show different variations of different directors' style of film. Um, but they're setting the scene of Peter gets fired from his job at the, uh, <laughs> uh, at, at the Pawtucket uh, Brewery. And so they do one with a Quentin Tarantino theme that's like uber violent and stylistic. They do one with, with the music too. Yeah, with the music too. <laughs> um, they do one kind of with um, Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson, which is kind of just kind of cute and simple and neat and proper. Super indie. Through. It's funny what the statement they say. It's like a Wes Anderson film is like eating a edible and then waking up in a Hallmark card. I was like, that's a good it's one. True, it's true. That makes yeah, sense. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. I agree with that. I'll agree. And then they did one with a Michael Bay um, style thing, <laughs> where it's kind of a cross between Transformers, Con Air, Bad Boys, like just everything all in one, you know. And again, the central theme is that he got fired. Fired, yeah. <laughs> so, so. Was there a lot of slow motion for the There Michael was Bay a one? lot of slow motion uh, there, a lot of action shots, um, a lot of close ups on, you know, female anatomy. So and every guy is super yoked. Every guy is buff as hell for um, no reason. Like okay, it was one of the funnier episodes of the, that I've seen in a while. Not do just you, for this. Do season, you realize that last one, the Michael Bay one? I was like, did he even get fired? He he did at the beginning, wow. right? Because he he destroyed public property. Yeah, but I mean, the whole point of it was just after that is just so Michael Bay. Yeah. Like, then so after that, it didn't make a difference anymore. Yeah, I was like, okay, we got like the centralized plot just doesn't matter nope. anymore. That just was like just most Michael Bay films. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about that Family Guy. Um, it, even if you haven't really watched it or you fell on up, I do recommend watching at least this last episode because it's it's really a really funny episode and it's different. It's not like them trying to do these throwaway gags where they um, do these cutaway scenes real quick and come back and you know it's just a quick laugh and move on. Like this was actually it's really technically well three cutaway gags. Yeah, it was the whole time they're all long, but it gags. works really well. Yeah, um, I also watched The Simpsons and I know. A lot of people haven't been watching that lately. Um, Not since the movie. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, yeah, that's longer. when I, I think since the movie, that's when I stopped. And this, this again, was another episode that I thought was uh, actually really better than a lot of the other ones I've seen. It's about uh, Principal Skinner finds out that his mom, um, who he lives with, I'm sure you guys know that. Um, Jesus, she's still alive in the she's show. She's still alive in the show, and found out they they did a cut. They did a flashback scene that I guess he got accepted to a college, but was told by his mom that he did not get accepted. And that kind of dictated how his life was going to be. Changed his life. life. Yeah. It's hell of a So it was like a flashback episode. Yeah. And I thought that was cool because they were still able, they're still able after so many seasons to go and, and build upon a character. You know, even somebody that's pretty much know about. The Simpsons is funny though. I don't think they're as funny as, I think they try a lot more. They try to be relevant and topical. And, yeah. I, and some of the jokes are forced. They're more satire than anything else. And I think it's kind of, Force upon the viewer to see it. Um, Maybe it's time that they retire I, the show. I think it's. I think they've they've they reached their peak a long time ago. Um, the animation is still good. I mean, for what it is, it's still a pretty funny show. But it's not. 
it's it, I think that they need to start looking into just ending this show um, and leaving it. See, it's it shows like that that for, for me, um, like um, makes it okay that some of the newer shows like only go like five or six seasons nowadays, yeah, yeah. rather than these long. 20 year long seasons that just like never seem to end even if they try to shorten the seasons like do even even if they really wanted to keep it on and do eight episode seasons just like a miniseries uh, a year i think they could probably put in some really good content there yeah but they do 25 26 episodes and they still do that much yeah it's it's ridiculous don't get me wrong there's 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 a lot with the simpsons that a lot of like south park family guy they owe so much to it but don't be like the walking dead just like (laughs) just just end end it it. when you need to end it (laughs) But hey, I you know one day I want to go back and rewatch them all, so maybe yeah. it'll happen. Hey, good. Yeah, but that's really it. Just like I said, regular kind of Sunday shows right now. Um, and but uh, plenty of other movies coming out for the fall. So awesome. All right, so that's what we've been watching here. Let's move on to the news. What's in the news? So straight, uh, straight up here, we got something kind of weird. Warner Brothers and Amazon are in early talks about making a Lord of the Rings series. So Deadline reported that um, Netflix even was approached about it, and they were going to. They're looking at it, maybe possibly. It's going to cost about two hundred to two hundred fifty million dollars for the rights. HBO approached it as well, but they spend too much money already on Game of Thrones. Apparently, that's how they backed off. So. I don't know about this one, guys. Yeah, if it's based again, on the main show, I would the movies. I would say no. If it's based on something like The Silmarillion, then I would probably say yeah, that'd be cool. I'm sure they're gonna find some kind of obscure reference to build upon. I mean, it's like um, those video games, The Shadow of Mordor, where they they kind of went in the past and found which are, one of the kings. Yeah, which are which you know is a very successful game. It is, but man, I hope they don't make one that's still like. Fellowship of the Ring. That would be stupid, right? I just don't think it's a good idea in general, man. Talk I mean, it's, it's been way too long. The hype has sort of died down with the exception of the video game. But video games are so different than than films. And, like, the the minute, like, I read the article, I instantly let out a, a loud sigh of grief. It's just like, God. But, you know, that's a popular genre, though. Man. The fantasy. I mean, it is, Game yeah. of Thrones it, it, is a good example. It's it a, is. It really is. And, and the thing is, that's a really poor comparisons that they're trying to make they're like yeah we want our game of thrones yeah but game of thrones is, is super violent and yeah this would uh, have to be pretty wholesome explicit you know like adventure. Uh, uh lord of the rings is is not is not like that and i understand they're trying to find like their one gem that they can you know bank on um the but one gem to rule it all yeah <laughs> yeah but <laughs> i think good one but i think dude if you want to do something fantasy I mean, maybe this is just like the fanboy me or anything, but if you want to do something like that, fuck, make a Legend of Zelda TV uh-huh. show. That would sell, See, dude. The issue That's there something that a lot of people would want. Nintendo would never do no, that. They're barely no. dipping their toes into mobile gaming, let alone licensing other yeah. property. Maybe in like 30 years, they think, yeah. of, think about <laughs> when it. When they're running out of money, they're never like, eh, let's give it a try again. True, but I, you know, the fact that the Hobbit movies like racked up almost $3 billion and no one cared... Like that says a lot. Man. That still shows you though that people go and watch these they things. They want to so see it. Yeah. More yeah. than likely, the show came out, especially with Game of Thrones ending, and they're probably going to be a decent gap before they do their quote unquote spinoff right. shows. They probably have a chance here to make some kind of a dent, especially if it's a super high like dollar show. Yeah, there's a possibility I mean, that high production value makes all the difference yeah, too. It, yeah, it definitely does. So yeah, that true. could sway people. And, and truthfully, reading the past books and all this stuff, there's a lot of material they could dive into for the Lord of the Rings. Ask Stephen Colbert. Yeah, he, he could <laughs> if they could have this. him Damn. on set as a consultant. <laughs> right. Yeah, but maybe like what you guys were saying, if they go into the past and kind of you know yeah. do something. There's a lot there. Yeah. Like if they do like the first war with. Uh, Sauron, then okay, maybe that would yeah. be kind of cool because they Building always sort of they, yeah, they gloss over it even in like The Hobbit, they never really go into it in detail. Um, and like you see, like the story of Isildur and him, like if it's know, as epic as what they show in those, it would probably be a pretty successful show. Yeah. But I just hope it's not based on stuff that we've already seen. That right. that's like what the I'm Hobbit about. or the Lord of Lord the, Rings the Rings trilogy. Trilogy, it's like, please don't, yeah. Yeah. There's no, if they're going to do this, they can't rehash. They have to make it original. Um, also, uh, in the news, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, 
currently playing a character named Bill Foster, which apparently is Hank Pym's assistant in the new Ant-Man and Wasp movie that's coming up. And he has a secret project with Marvel that he is also working on. He says he's trying to change the world. So he chose Marvel over DC because apparently he's not playing Perry White in uh, the Justice League movie. So what do you guys think about that? Is it is it that he's not playing Perry he White? Just, he just couldn't in play. It? He couldn't, right? So Perry White won't be in it. He's still Perry White for the supposed Man of Steel sequel coming out. Okay. The rumor is it might be like a TV show or a movie. So. Oh, really? I wonder if, yeah, and he might actually be directing it, so... So it's That'd it's not a character cool. that's going to be in the movie. He's going to be like like sort of like a spinoff. Type yeah. Thing. So he's already no matter what he's already Bill Foster in the new movie. They're filming his scenes, blah blah blah. Right. So the thing is, he's told people too. On top of that, he's working on a project with Marvel. So it's going to be a new thing coming down down the line. So do you yeah, think maybe. that this could be something that might be part of? Um, Disney's future streaming surface instead of doing that's it on what Netflix. I was thinking too maybe like they're kind of get me kind of like CBS with the Star Trek Discovery. oh yeah like his it, quote with like the I'm gonna change the world by doing this thing it's like man that must be a pretty big project right, right? maybe it's gonna be on Disney streaming service since they're gonna put in that kind of money and not sell it to Netflix that would technically the change the world because then you'd have to get all the Disney exclusives through their streaming service right. and yeah, who knows exactly. what else they're going to include in there you know we I mean we don't know until right. it comes out yeah something to keep our eyes open on though yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited for it on a uh, more serious note yeah uh, Netflix <laughs> yeah, officially uh, yeah, yeah they cut ties with Kevin Spacey if you haven't heard uh, Media Rights Capital the production company they suspended Spacey and um, they're going to evaluate a career path forward for the program um during the hiatus, program being House of Cards. But essentially what happened is that he's he's no longer a boy, but Anthony Rapp, uh, former, I want to say he's a model or maybe an actor. Um, he's actually an actor in the new Star Trek show. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so he was a theater actor. Theater actor, Broadway, is, stuff like that. Yeah. He was about 14. Kevin Spacey was about 26 at the time. This was in 1986, and he made a sexual advance, or allegedly made a sexual advance towards the kid. And that's not the first thing that's come up since. Uh, since then, actually, eight people have come forward from House of Cards saying right. that he did sexual miscon- misconduct too so yeah one of them being one of the um assistants to the show and the fact that they had to segregate them and even that didn't prevent him from his inappropriate misconduct so i'm actually a little surprised that this actually um is true um based off of the numerous allegations now it's pretty it seems like it's it might actually be true it's pretty golden at yeah this point. but when when i heard the first one i was like well he says he doesn't really remember it it was like 30 years ago he might have said something to the kid not knowing i don't know but now that seeing that all these allegations are happening it looks like spacey is uh, another he's victim. done man yeah yeah dude i don't know if you'd call him a victim at this case but he's 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 you know just another person that's been caught in the sexual harassment it goes deeper and deeper in hollywood and Anybody's really uh, been willing to talk he was about it? No, if, if anything, he's a culprit. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just part of the problem. I mean, it's, dude, like, especially in the professional world or in the acting world, like, dude, come on, man. Like, don't pull shit like that. Well, apparently it's like a trend right now. Yeah. But he also was going to do some kind of a biopic or something with Netflix. They cut him off from that, too. Yeah, say that, yeah. His publicist mm-hmm. and agent dropped him, too, so. Yeah, he doesn't have a lot of... Uh, like James said, he's done. I mean, there really isn't anything left for him. The, the, they, his top show has been, uh, they're writing him out of it. So that's right there. We don't know yet. I mean, unless they show what they finished up for this last season. I think they, they might just doing. cancel it altogether. Yeah, there there really think... isn't anything left for him to, to be Because from what I've heard, they've sh- they've shot a couple episodes, apparently. Yeah. But maybe they're going to be like, it's not worth it. Yeah, and a yeah, lot of te- people... technically they could they could end the show with what they had from the previous season. Just leave it at that. And you know, in, in some cases, you'd see a lot of people. I mean, Kevin Spacey's got a lot of friends in Hollywood, be calling out and reaching out to him, or or, or defending him into a certain case. And I don't haven't seen any of that happen. So, uh, well, when a lot of the victims were like high school age, it's really hard to defend that. Well, I, I, you wouldn't touch that with like a fucking hundred foot pole, man. Yeah. There's there's no defending that, dude. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, super gross shit, pedophile stuff, and it's like, yeah. nope, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's... shame on you, Kevin Spacey. I'll always remember K-Pax. <laughs> oh, All right, man. so uh, that was our news for the week, and now we're going to move on to our topic of the week, provided by Marco. 
topic of the week. So, Marco, uh, your topic here, how about you uh, intro it in for us? All right, so this week's topic is uh, do movies from the last 17 years, so circa 2000 to 2017, show less violence and gore than movies from the past, circa 1970 to 1999? And I think that it's not really that they show less violence or gore, but that it's less intense due to... CGI versus practical effects. So what got you um, intrigued in like bringing this up? Uh, just some of the movies that we've been watching lately, uh, specifically... 90, 90% horror films. Yeah, 90% <laughs> horror films. Um, like specifically It, and I'm not going to give away too much, um, but yeah. I mean, if you don't want to hear anything from this, go ahead and skip ahead. Like a but... disclaimer, most of the films we're talking about, we're <laughs> going to be talking about a couple films here. Yeah. From anywhere from 1972 to present day so we'll announce like titles and such that if you if you know you've had more than enough time for probably all of these to have seen them at least once but we'll still give you a spoiler alert so anyways. technically we it, we're gonna give a blanket spoiler warning here so yeah <laughs> if you don't want to hear anything about these films then sorry yeah we like apologize we said, we'll say the title <laughs> if you hear a title that you hear you're like oh wait i've never seen that i want to see if that. you've been asleep the last 30 years 30. then we fucking apologize but like, nightmare on elm street wait a minute i've heard that <laughs> so then you know just skip ahead but yeah. go sorry mark go ahead no that's fine um basically some of the scenes on there were pretty graphic and i was actually quite surprised that they show that because most of the new you're talking about it right yeah in it uh Specifically, I'm just going to give it away. All right. The opening scene with with Georgie where he gets his arm fucking tore off. Yeah. Like, I actually remember saying, oh, shit, they actually showed it. Like, they I didn't did. think they would. I think if anything that they would do a cut where, like, you hear it or something, then you see the aftermath. Mm -hmm. But they went into full detail of it. There were a few other scenes that were also graphic in the movie that kind of caught my eye. Uh, Henry Bowers stabbing the shit out of his dad. I was kind of surprised that they showed that. That full motion, like you I'm actually, actually glad they showed that though. Me, me too, because it's also a graphic scene in the book as well. So the it sort of made me start thinking about this more and more. The more movies we saw, the more I started thinking. Do kids like nowadays maybe not experience what we went through maybe as a kid, or even I know you guys are slightly older than me, so I don't know. Sometimes graphic. My argument that I'm going to present is that I think it's about a mix. Between violence and gore now to the past, I think it depends on what kind of movie it is, and also the director and the style. Because although it can be cheesy back then, I think they show a lot more. I, I kind of agree with that statement too. Like I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Nabil, but like, what do you think? Well, I agree that it's. Uh, I don't even know if you could say it's cheesy if you're looking at it back in like the '70s and '80s, right? You look at it then, and it just looks like. Well, if you're looking at it from perspective, like if you back then, then yeah, it's way, way violent. But yeah, it's super violent. They don't know what they're expecting. You've got people that you don't really know how it looks like when somebody's getting shot compared to seeing in the 50s with a bunch of cowboys getting just shot with one bullet and being knocked on the floor. Now you're seeing blood and guts. Yeah. And, you know, arms getting cut off and heads getting smashed in and all this. And it's almost like the, the 70s and 80s were where they were testing the waters to see what they could get away with right. especially during that time we had the rise of the slash slasher films so yeah horror wise definitely is when they started from there and then truthfully in my opinion i think they perfected it to where we get to now yeah now it's just much i think now it's it's still there but it's just cleaner like they try to make it a little bit more real they take more time and go into more detail on how you know that that knife cut on your arm and sawing it off slowly like that's not so before you just touch it with the fake knife and the, the, the it's hands like, well, on that, the that's, that's kind of where I, where I disagree. And I think that that's kind of where I, I lean more towards what's ja what James is saying, where it depends on the movie and the director. Yeah. Because some movies get away with it really well. And yeah, like you're saying to Bill, like someone gets cut or someone gets shot and looks real. And other times it's like, well, it's fake as shit because you're using cheap ass CGI versus the practical effects that they used back then, which I'm not saying in the 70s and 80s, the practical effects were 100% perfect. No. But <clears throat> take, for example, uh, RoboCop from 1987. 
You see uh, motherfucker's head blow off in that one. Yeah, like for first of all, like the scene uh, where the one of the execs gets like blown up by the ED two hundred nine like patrol right, droid. Right. He like, shows up in the meeting, right? Yeah. yeah, it's been a while since I saw it. So yeah, shows up in the meeting. The robot malfunctions and it blows into bits, and you see everything. And if you watch the the Blu Ray. It's got the full extended theatrical version, which like it it doesn't let up, and you're sitting there thinking, "There's no way this scene would be this long in like a rated R movie today." And going further than that, when Alex Murphy gets turned into RoboCop, or when they kill him, uh, they're they're pretty much unloading shotguns into him, and you see every single one of them go in and out of his body, oh, yeah, and you see scene, his arm get blown off. And it's something like that where you're thinking, there's no way they would include his arm getting blown off today. Like you would see the aftermath of that, but you wouldn't see it go into full motion, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, and and the goal depends too. Yeah, it depends on what movie you're looking at. I mean, a good example is uh, Dread, 2012, right? Oh, good movie. That movie is is uber violent they're showing you the gunshots they show there i mean there's a scene where somebody dread shoots like a flash grenade or something to somebody's mouth and you see the guy's head slowly explode from the the heat you know you see heads blown, being blown off there's a mm. hand being blown off um people just getting shot right and left like that you see that from start to finish yeah jumping with uh what nabil just said there um for this is not even on my notes, but Punisher Warzone that came out in two thousand eight. Oh yeah, that's super over the top. That's a film where the Punisher literally punches a guy through his skull. His fist comes out through the other end, and you see it. But does and it feel real? It looks super fucking real. Hmm. And Interesting. Detail. I haven't and, seen that movie, but it, yeah. I'll take your word for it. Not everything yeah. has CG now, right? So those are some of them. Dread does have a lot of stylized CG for sure. But I'll say the CG but for Dread works well. It yeah. Does. But in Punisher Warzone, how much? Some of that was practical effects too. I think a lot of it was. Yeah. It was a pretty low budget film. It was. So they I think Marvel do was. a lot of the CG stuff. And then you have like action movies like John Wick though from 2014, yeah. where he's killing everyone in his house, and you see blood splatter on the walls you're seeing every single headshot that he's given like these bad guys but it, the the way that the effect is used kind of like takes away like it's violent and you know it's cg violent. blood though and it's yeah, yeah. And it's cg blood and it it i mean it irks you but at the same time like it, it takes you like away from it because you're realizing that well it's not it's it's not real and then the nightclub scene Although it's it's dark and you can't really see it at the beginning, like he um, he, he starts doing the same thing and again doing headshots and it looks a little better there because of the lighting. But then he moves into like a lighter room during that same scene and it doesn't look as good. Yeah, I mean, I, you, it's hard to compare CG. For 70s and 80s films, because there wasn't a lot of that, they they were forced to use a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But um, another example is uh, the Ramble, the first Ramble, First Blood, right? Mm -hmm. There isn't actually a lot of blood there. There isn't a lot of death. It's the second one in Ramble three that you see him just go psycho. But that first one, it's it's not very uh, bloody and gory. But there's like a scene where he's in a police station. And the cops are like holding him and trying to hold him down, and they show flashbacks of him in Vietnam getting cut up by a knife very slowly, and that's intense. Then he breaks out and he he beats down a cop and is like gouging the guy's eyes out, kicking them out the window, you know, breaking arms, and that's super. It isn't just practical effects. So, so yeah. both films yeah. don't show too much gore. But I would they don't say. show too much gore, is what I'm saying. So you know, like John Wick, violent. I don't think that CG blood takes me away from it too much. It's really I'm just there to see Keanu Reeves kick ass. Right. Yeah. Which which it ultimately. It do, it succeeds in doing like there's scenes in there that are better than some of the scenes he does in the Matrix. All right, he's doing flips and all that shit. Um, I'd say the CG blood is super fake too, and like movies like The Expendables is one of the ones oh, that sure. always come to mind. Yeah, when the CG blood that one does take me out because it looks so terrible, especially the later ones. Like they made more money and spent less on it on the graphics. Yeah, <laughs> which is weird because John Wick, I think they actually do well with that. And, uh, and, on the Rambo subplot though. Yeah, the first one. It's weird. Like, 
Strangely enough, the older Rambo's are less gory and violent than Rambo 2008, oh, Rambo which 4. is over the considered top. one of the most violent scenes where he's on the um, M50 and he's yeah. just gunning people down. Yeah. There are legs and chunks of people coming off because they use practical effects on that one pretty well. Yeah. See, like that's what I'm saying is it, it depends on the movie and the director and what they're willing to do. And I understand you have budget constraints and it's probably cheaper to use you know CGI. And it's for set for the purpose of using a set, it's cleaner too because you don't have to worry about cleaning fake blood or anything like that or makeup and effects. You don't have to really worry about like paying too many people who are doing visual effects as well too, I'm assuming. I don't know. I don't, I'm not into movie production. but It costs just it, as much for in the past to pay someone for like Tom Savini kind of stuff. Right. That stuff is still pretty pricey. Right. Yeah. I don't know if it compares to CG nowadays. You can probably tell like is it shitty CG or good CG. I'm assuming the better ones cost more. Yeah. But even still, it, it just still depends on whether or not you're you're willing to pay to make that realism feel like you want to like not just see it, but in, in in a way like feel it and say like wow, that's just pretty fucking gruesome and kind of throws me back. Well, I think I think really that it, it is different from then and now. I think honestly that and maybe to me speak as an adult, but I really think that it's it's for children that. A lot of us are more desensitized now than they were, you know, back in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Because if you think about it, um, 60s, 70s movies, you know, if you got like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you got The Hills um, Have Eyes, you've got, you know, Dawn of the Dead and all those kind of films. And there are specific scenes that are really bloody and gory that really freak you out. But throughout the rest of the movies, it's just kind of the ambiance is really scary and, and you know, freaking, yeah. kind of creeps you out. But there's just those iconic scenes is like, oh my God, I can't believe they just did that. That's where they spent the money on. I always think of like Last House on the Left. Last House on the Left is a good that example too. too. Yeah. And and then you get into the 80s where you, like you guys have, you've been watching the slasher films where they, they find out, okay, let's push the limits. You've even got the crazy action films like Robocop, like Total Recall, like um, Demolition Man, um, Cobra. Predator um, as well too. Predator, yeah. That's another another movie like from the late 80s where you see like limbs like get blown off and they actually... Again, they show like the full sequence. There's no editing tricks to say to 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 fool you or anything and say, "Oh, I see the aftermath of that." No, you see a guy get his chest blown open. You see a guy lose his arm, and they they show it falling, still shooting the rifle in its hand. Right. And you see like a guy actually get his head like blown by a freaking alien laser gun. Like it's things like that. Where in in some movies, depending again on the director and the movie, they would. They would do away. They would use like camera tricks to, to show you the aftermath. Like, oh, yeah. they won't show you the full sequence. But and then, but yeah. if you think about it though, now you go into the even 90s, though it's rated R. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But, but when you go to the nineties, that kind of dies down, right? You don't have as as crazy graphic, intense horror films. I mean, or or gory films. You have films like True Lies that have a couple scenes. You have films like Con Air, like the Michael Bay films that have a lot of action. They're kind of the PG-13-ish, it, it soft R's. Because, you know, Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan in 1998 is one of the most gruesomely horrific films you can ever watch. There's yeah, that opening scene people still disturbs People's arms me. getting blown off, a guy grabbing his arm, putting it back in his bag, and the scene where the medic dies, where he's just bleeding out, and it's like, Jesus Christ. Even when Vin Diesel dies, man. Yeah. It's like, Jesus, uh, he's in it, by the way. Yeah, he is. <laughs> but, well, um, yeah, just the beginning, just you even see that. guys like holding their guts yeah, in. Yeah, pu they're pushing their guts back in. It's like, so that's not entirely true. I'd say that they, yeah, they dumb down horror films to a point, especially like Nightmare on Elm Street, 1981, right? Or 1984, I'm sorry. I'm mixing Friday the 13th. They all blend together. <laughs> um, so that one is probably the most violent out of all of them because there's scenes where Johnny Depp is exploding, there's blood, people's arms are getting chopped off, right. uh, lacerations, the mom gets pulled through the door, all that stuff, right? By the time you get to the later one, it, each movie gets less and less less violent. It's because the studios themselves start toning it down because they're trying to reach more of an audience too. Yeah. And that's where I say I would support Nabil's thing about the nineties. Yeah. Horror wise, yes, but the I feel like they just shifted gears to more realistic kind of nightmares, like right. a war film. Not saying that like even platoons in the nineteen eighties, so that's pretty platoon is super yeah. So they say they would probably look at more of the genre and say, Well, would it make sense to do more gore in this because yeah, it's right. like which a I think war movie Yeah, which like I think supports dumb... our whole 
kind of depends on who it is. But yeah. then you go into the 2000s, and then you've got the the rise of like torture porn, essentially, right? Like yeah. you got the hostels. That's when it gets saw. too much. Yeah. Now they just bring it right back in. They don't go from like, oh, let's test the waters. They go, let's crank it all the way up and see what we can do. You crank know? it to 11. Yeah. Those, <laughs> I will say like those films like make me cringe sometimes because I'm like, oh, I don't really want to see I, this. And say some scenes like it. It and again, it probably budget constraints. I don't know. Some scenes, it looks. You know, authentic and and real, and other scenes, it's like, all right, that's obviously fake. I mean, it's gruesome, it's it's bloody, but it's like, mm, kind of taking me out of it. And again, I'm like, I'm not glorifying like the violence or anything like that. It's just like, it has to do with like like being like immersed into the movie and it like making you feel like disturbed because that's what they're going okay. for. I'm assuming in these types of movies. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely think it. I mean. That's my general opinion that it is a mixed bag. I don't think that um, the past or now is um, any more or less. I think the people viewing it, like I said, the kids now may be a little bit more desensitized because there's yeah. just a lot more of those rated R action films around. Um, and people have just, are just watching. I remember as a kid, I was watching rated R films at like, you know six, seven years old with my dad. And Same. that was just a normal thing. you know. So I can only imagine yeah. what the kids are watching now at home. I think the first film I ever even saw in the theaters was Tombstone. <laughs> and they cut a dude's leg off in that yeah. movie. And yeah, I was, was seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my dad was like, hmm. I saw Starship Troopers <laughs> and I freaked out we couldn't finish the film. I had the oh, movie. Wow. Yeah. I saw Predator 2 in theaters. What, came are out like you? 19... what are you? Yeah. You know that movie originally was NC 17? Oh, really? Yeah. Due to the violence and gore. And they still use some practical effects in, in that movie because it's still like, it wasn't until like Terminator 2, Jurassic Park, where they started using more CGI. But. It was pretty fucking graphic, but I would say maybe they're more like they're more self-aware about it, and and maybe in some cases, depending on the movie, maybe even de- depending on the director too, because they want people to come and see these movies, they'll be like, "Nah, you're gonna have to tone it down." Versus someone like Steven Spielberg, who has the clout, be like, "Go for it, man. People will come see your movie." Um, my final little thought on it is I pretty much agree with Nabil too. It depends who you are and it uh, depends on, I don't know if everyone's desensitized. I think it's just that movies have evolved to the point now where it's either going to look really good or really bad, depending on the style of the director and what they're going for. So I think people nowadays have it just as bad as it was back then or even more so. So, yeah, I just think it's less common now than it was then. And it's probably again, because they were testing the waters then versus now. Uh, they have have a, a long history of it and can kind of like pick and choose when they want to like, go extreme and when they don't. All right. So that was our topic of the week there. So now we're going to move on to our review of Thor Ragnarok. All right, so for the movie here, the IMDb description is Imprisoned, the almighty Thor finds himself in a lethal gladiatorial contest against the Hulk, his former ally. Thor must fight for survival and race against time to prevent the all-powerful Hela from destroying his home and the Asgardian civilization. All right, and the movie is directed by Taika Waititi, who also directed What We Do in the Shadows for 2014 and Hunt for the Wilder People in 2017. Uh, This is a follow-up to Thor from 2011 and Thor the Dark World from 2013. It stars Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, and Kate Blanchett as Hela. And, uh, Nabil, we'll start with you. What did you think of the movie? I really liked the film. I thought it was uh, really funny. Uh, The dynamic between Thor and Hulk was hilarious. Um, You could show that they're really friends, but also frenemies at some times. Um, the writing was great. It was a really good take on the cosmos and, you know, the whole Asgardian uh, and Thor mythology. They just kind of played it up the whole time. And they also really did a good job of, of connecting all three of the movies as well. Yeah, definitely. What about you, Marco? I agree with Nabil. I liked it. I think it's uh, one of Marvel's best movies. It's entertaining. It's funny. The visuals were fantastic. Uh, the action was great, and the acting was probably some of the best of any Thor movie. Not that they're that hard to compete against, right. yeah. but um, the characters were also relatable this time. Uh, and Korg and Meek 
were fucking hilarious. They stole yeah, the show. Yeah, the alien. <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked it as well. I thought it was really well done. Uh, definitely a different change of pace. Not as serious as the previous two movies, which I think yeah. works to a point. You know, I don't think Thor is absolutely the funniest character in Marvel um, comics and movies, but it worked for him in this, for this situation. Chris Hemsworth uh, looked like he was more comfortable with the character this time around. Yeah, they switched up a lot of things this time around, but um, there's certain things I didn't like about the movie still, but overall, I thought it was really entertaining. I thought it was super funny, and uh, I really liked the action sequences too. Um, one thing I did want to ask you guys about too is that this definitely is a different style from the previous two films. Just jumping on it, like Thor 2011 was directed by Kenneth Branagh, so he's once again known for more kind of super theatrical kind of films, especially Shakespearean stuff. He's done like Much to Do About Nothing, Hamlet, Macbeth. He's doing a Murder on the Orient Express that comes out on Friday and starring in it. Yeah, and he actually, well, actually, I think he stars in all his movies <laughs> outside of Thor. And then uh, Thor: The Dark World, which came out in 2013, was directed by Alan Taylor, who is best known for directing a lot of TV shows. So, especially Game of Thrones, that's where he mainly came from. Did you guys like that change of tone? Or is there anything that was kind of taken aback because they switched to kind of more of a comedic Guardians of the Galaxy kind of feel? I think it flowed better with um, the way Marvel is making some of their more abstract characters like uh, Doctor Strange uh, or even Ant-Man as well, too. They're not... Well, Doctor Strange is a little serious, but still it has a lot of like comedic flair to it. It didn't throw me off too much, especially coming off of the the hype with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think that... Do you think it copied it too much? Or uh, do you think it's its own original kind of idea? You know, I would say that's one of my complaints about it, is that it, it, in a way, it was almost like a carbon copy of Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a formula that works for Marvel, and they're doing it well. But um, even... Even just at the beginning, I felt like the, the the comedy at the beginning was a little forced. It wasn't up until the plot started unraveling that it felt more natural and part of the storyline. And that's one of the things that I probably disliked about the movie. You know, I actually disagree. Um, I think without the original two, you couldn't get this movie. The other, the other two had to be a little bit more serious. Of course, they were playing up the whole Thor being naive to you know Earth and how things work over there and him being a so-called god. But I think this movie, there's a lot of growth and uh, the comedy is there. But I think it's really there because of the fact that Thor is a, like essentially inside the joke. He knows you know that I'm not obviously this malevolent god. I'm just like anybody else. And then him going to that planet just shows how much more... Uh, normal he is in in the bigger grander scope. Is he normal I, though? He is a god. Yeah, though. he's well, not. He, he's not necessarily. God. He's, he a, he's an alien being with godlike powers. Yeah. I yeah. I will give him the bill this that it's it is almost like the rest of the Avengers were rubbing off on him. Where okay. you you kind of when once you immerse yourself with like a group of friends, like they sort of rub off on you, and maybe that's how they can kind of get away with it. But. Um, it didn't. I again. It didn't throw me off too much, but I just thought that oh wow, like they kind of did a one eighty there and just decided to go full blown funny. And I think they really did keep with the whole Thor. Like it's a Thor movie. They weren't trying to throw in anybody else's story too much. It was more focused on Thor and centralized on him and his storyline overall. Yeah. So I would say overall, I still I enjoyed the switch in the kind of overall theme of it all. I thought it was a little too close to Guardians of the Galaxy. I agree and there. I know like they're super successful, so I'd expect them to keep following a formula that works. But overall, I kind of wish still that there was a little bit more of a original feel for it. I just felt like it was like an expansion of the Guardian of the Galaxy I, films. I have a th- like a ser- uh, a theory uh, a theory about that, and that will probably be mentioned in the spoilers as okay. to why I think they were going that direction. And why it kind of makes sense. It's a stretch, but it's just my opinion. It makes sense if it's going to connect to anything else, but I don't know. It worked out this time. I wouldn't mind more of a mixture of a little more serious next time if they're going to do another one. I'm not sure if they are. I'm pretty sure his contract's up after the second Avenger film. So Um, Overall, though, it was still... It was surprisingly a lot more funnier than I thought it was going to be. Visually-wise, it still was really good. Like Nabil said, it still does focus on Thor. 
which is really cool so that it's still more of an expansion and kind of a, a character development itself of his character becoming the person he's supposed to be now. It's more of a like he's maturing. Like, he him. does have more growth in this movie. Um, yeah. Versus like the previous two, like he has a true arc in this movie. I think. Yeah, I can't even remember what his arc was in the Dark World. Oh no. The first yeah. one I remember because yeah. like Nibble said, it's, he he's naive. He thinks he's all powerful, and then he gets to Earth, and he's this is a whole another force to be game. humble. <laughs> especially when he doesn't have his hammer anymore right. in the first yeah. one. Um, we're gonna jump into spoilers though, because I think a lot of this I want to talk about. We're gonna spoil it. So if you don't want to hear. Just like normal, hold back, and here's the jingle. And we'll see you next time. Yep. All right, so we're back here looking at a couple things I want to talk about um, spoiler-wise. Just quick one here on the side. What did you guys think about the cameos that they used in the film? Uh, I thought they were really well-placed. Like, they... Compared to some of um, maybe some of the other Marvel films where they just have kind of these stars, and this one was a really well placed Easter eggs and cameos that they had in here for the for the movie. Yeah, I I agree. They were a nice little like fun surprise in there. And since we're in spoilers, might as well say it. But Matt Damon was a really fun <laughs> surprise yeah, in there. Matt Damon was good. I was like, wow, I, really? Like, damn. It took me a second at first, and I was like, is that Matt Damon? Playing as Loki? I, I didn't even recognize Sam Neill until you said something. Yeah, Sam Neill was in it too. Like, Who is that? He looks Pretty way Pretty much everyone from his uh, Taiki Watiti's previous film, Hunt for the Wilder People, are in it. Yeah. Like the Sam Grandmaster's, um, his little aide or whatever, is like one of the main characters in there too. Oh, yeah. She's like a really? police person. Yeah. That's why I was like, oh, he used his crew to be in a Marvel film. That's kind of cool. Um, the Doctor Strange thing I don't think surprised me too much because at the end of Doctor Strange... Right, it's like the same scene. It's the... Well, yeah, expanded, of course, but yeah. I think that was pretty cool, though. I enjoyed yeah. that scene. I think it gave some... it um, Connection kind of stuff. to the plot and it actually helped move it forward a little bit. Honestly, I... I felt like they could have done without the Doctor Strange cameo in there. Like, he was... He was sort of just like a device to kind of like, all right, we're going to get to this location super fast, and this is how we're going to explain it. He's like, remember Doctor Strange? Right. Yeah. I think it went on a little too long, just a little bit, because they did play up the whole teleporting here, teleporting there, you know, kind of thing, and he's getting dizzy. But I do, I think it did serve a good purpose, because it did ultimately, you know, get him to his, where his father is. And I also thought that because they established that, oh, Doctor Strange can get you from one place to another, like, he would be the vessel that they used to escape Sakaar or that he would somehow get involved later. But no, just, just that. Just a brief just a little, He's only worried just about Just a little Earth. quick nod to the camera. And it's yeah. like, see you in Infinity Wars. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, moving into that, though, I want to talk about the parts that I think were the best and the parts that didn't work for me. I just want to start it off here. Anytime Immigrant Song came on by Led Zeppelin, those were the best parts. <laughs> like, hands Yeah. Down. I've never heard a song work so well yeah. with Thor in my life. <laughs> yeah, I read on the trivia that they chose that song because there's a line in there about Norse mythology. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I didn't, really? I never paid attention to the lyrics. Yeah, it's a really good song, too. Um, I think Thor in this one probably shows even better than Avengers, his kind of prowess and strength. Yeah. Definitely. Especially when taking down people. Yeah. Well, it, from the beginning, using his hammer. To going bare bare buckle, knuckle bra with uh, the Hulk, and then at the end, like, uh-huh. it's yeah, definitely uses him and his ability. Were you guys sad that he his? I don't know if it's really destroyed or not. I'm assuming it's not. He can probably reforge it somehow. But then Molgener, 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 fuck, meow meow. Mjolnir. And I'm half Swedish. That's the worst part. Molgener is destroyed. Fail, dude. Do you guys think? That took away from it? That not seeing his iconic hammer pretty much 80% of the film? No, because I think that that helped his character grow. Um, and it, it assisted with his arc yeah. as well, too. Um, but, I mean, it's it's kind of like a pretty cool scene like to, to see his hammer that's supposedly indestructible and, and just like it crushed like a... Like, it's nothing. I think it helps to tell yeah. how strong the villain was going to be, right? Right off the bat. But I think that... 
they did reiterate that Mjolnir was made from a dying star, just so subtly into it. I'm like, okay. And then, <laughs> so I'm and then sure the demons arse or whatever. I remember it's like, that's the uh, dying star, the, the portal thing or whatever. Yeah. I was like, is he going to find it again? Exactly. I was uh, like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's going to come again soon. Yeah. yeah. I was like, we'll find hmm. materials for it. All right. Yeah. But um, I'd, I'd say like any scenes with Thor and Hulk were probably like some of the best as well. Like they had really good chemistry even uh with bruce banner and thor i I, think like those scenes were just great i agree with that too it almost got to the point where every time they switched back to hella i was like fuck can we just go back to the other guys again i did not like the hella scenes i don't like i liked liked the beginning where they showed her and i liked and she's kicking ass yeah i was like okay but those in-between cutaway scenes where they're showing what's going on right now in asgard kind of thing yeah oh yeah i think if anything that took away from the pace of the film because every time they went to those i was like can we go back to the uh sakaar yeah which is a shame because i really liked her as a villain and when she was yeah when she was kicking ass i was like okay cool this is gonna be awesome but yeah, like it was sort of like. <laughs> meanwhile, back at uh, Asgard, back at the fortress, yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So, but also like they were in Sakaar for like quite a long time too. Like the like they were a good almost half a little movie. too long. Yeah, uh, the whole Ragnarok thing is actually kind of glossed over in a bit. It's said in the end, like, wait a minute, it's for us to let it happen. Right. Yeah, it's sort of more like, like this really? Planet Hulk. But I will pretty much get around not using Universal, I guess. But But, I think the intro of like certain characters were still cool. Like Valkyrie, I think was oh yeah, cool character. Yeah, I was about to mention her too. I was gonna say her scenes are really cool, and she has somewhat of a character arc. She kind of does just somewhat like okay, I'll help you. Like oh okay, yeah, because because she in the comics like she teams up with Hulk in the comics, and they they sort of like or like a, a ragtag team, but I, I like how that was sort of subtly established in the movie as well, too. I do. I think one, one thing that's really bad, too, is that um, I, I know, again, they're probably doing it to show how strong Hela is, but how quickly she killed the, the Warriors 3. You know, like they're dead. <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> and they made a big deal out of them in the first two films. Yeah. To a point, especially the first one, I'd say. Uh-huh. But yeah, they died, man. Yeah. They're like they're not coming Hella back. fast. Yeah. Like it was like knife to your chest. Whoosh, yeah. he's like I'm dead. Like that wasn't <laughs> the best send off to them either. I mean, if you're gonna do anything, like I'm sure there'll be another film where he'll mourn them or they'll do some something on the side. But really, have a statue of him. Yeah, he's like those were my friends. But the the his his other friend, the one that he was the the other warrior, the woman that's his friend that they were dating for a little bit. Oh yeah, know, she wasn't in it at all. Oh. So oh, yeah, she's not dead, obviously. So she's going to be probably she? a bigger part of the next movie. Avengers I believe she's on Earth, according to Agents of Shield season two. <laughs> she spoiler. Yep, well, that's where she go. is. It paid off finally three years what later. So, see that? Boom shakalaka. <laughs> watch all sixty-seven episodes. Uh, it's it's funny, like it's total non sequitur. But if you watch the catch-up videos on YouTube, like if you're going to watch like Civil War or one of the later Marvel movies, they'll include scenes from. Agents of Shield too. Yeah, to there's a couple that are. They do tie in kind of. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. Uh, especially the later seasons tie in better. Yeah. Regardless, going back to the movie though. So what part did you? Okay, I know you didn't like those parts. I I want to bring up one more thing too. I don't think Loki was like necessary to be in this film at all. He serves no purpose in this movie. Agreed. I, I think he actually shows. He helps to show the growth of of uh, Thor. He Thor because, realizes his growth on his own. He does, but he's realizing it with Loki, and it's Loki who doesn't realize that. Thor's outgrown him and that he's still there. So it's also giving him his arc too because he's kind of stunted and doesn't change his ways as you see from the end. I will say Anthony Hopkins, although he only has a few scenes too, he actually does pretty well too. Oh, yeah. I like the scene where he's telling him about like, I'm not as strong as you. And then he tells him like, no, you're stronger. I was like, that's a nice one. Yeah. Or when he tells him like where his true power is, that it was never in the hammer. And I was like, oh man, like it was a, just getting that fatherly cool. advice. It's yeah. like, oh. Man, Anthony Hopkins is just great, period. Let's hope he doesn't disappoint us. I know. Every time I'm like, please just don't die. Or some shit comes up. Yeah. Like, what did he do on the set of Silence of the Lambs? Oh, oh shit. <laughs> Another one bites the dust. Yeah. Overall, though, I'd have to say that I still really enjoy the film. Yeah. I, I think what I didn't like the most was, or I guess I should say Actually, I forgot about it, yeah. Was, Sorry. Was the Grandmaster. Jeff I Goldblum's agree. Character. 
um, because it was so Jeff Goldblum, and I thought he would bring something different. What did you say, about Like it's a little, just a little bit of him would have been fine. Yeah. But the fact that he spread across, and and then they fucking ruined the post credit scene by using a scene from him. Yeah. That yeah. Was t- that's probably the worst post credit scene I've ever seen. I agree. For a Marvel one. I agree. I was like, we fucking stayed for this, really? Like, well, regardless, we were gonna stay, but yeah, I mean, but man, like he really didn't need that much screen time. Like I, I get it. He's you know he's funny he's and charismatic to a certain extent, but I it's think like he was just being himself. Well, his yeah. character is supposed to be important, right? Because he's another internal. He's the being, brother. Like the his brother. His brother is the collector, right? Yeah. So, so they're all you know eternal beings that they they have a, yeah, they have a very big important role with the Infinity Stones, right? But again. You get the point of the collector. He collects all these rare things. The Grandmaster is just kind of in charge of this planet, and oh, he does a lot of uh, Olympic Coliseum style fights. So. And then yeah. like the over the topness of like, oh, this is where he has orgies in his ship, all right? And the fireworks, and him awkwardly becoming a gigantic hologram and telling people to storm the streets and do his bidding. It's yeah. like, okay, I, I get it, man. I mean, are we scared of you because you have a weapon that you zap somebody into jello? Or but something? it was so that kind of New Zealand fucking co- co- comedy. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, this is Waititi's, like, flavor of, like, how he does his comedy. And I don't think... Like, it, rubs it in your face, Yeah, kind of. like, it's like, oh, this, it's like awkward, it's awkward comedy. Yeah. yeah. That's why even the scenes between Thor... And Bruce Banner, when they're talking, it's like a really <laughs> awkward conversation. It yeah. Does, yeah, that's true. And it's one of those things where it's not going to work for everyone. For the majority, it will, because a lot of people probably have not experienced this kind of comedy. Yeah. So this is like Flight of the Concords kind of shit, uh, Eagle vs. Shark kind of stuff. Same thing. It's just where yeah. it's awkward. What we do in the shadows. Yeah, yeah. same thing. It's just... You pray. But, but yeah, dude, Korn is basically what? a character from what we do in the shadows, yeah. if you think well, about it. That, yeah, that's true. But what you were saying to Bill, like if they would have shown more of the Grandmaster's power, like all he really had is that fucking staff. Yeah. But if they would have showed him kind of like and immense wealth, I guess, really. Yeah, but if they would, did they really even show that? No, not really. no, not really. Right? The dynamic between him and his assistant is funny. He just, but I feel like even that was played too long. You know where he's like, like one scene would have been fine. Yeah, like uh, she's what does she call it? She starts with a B, and he's like calling her like trash or something like that. And he's like, no, the best. Like she's great. Like that. That was funny. But then they did it like three more then, times. No, yeah, they forced, do it like, like more than three times, I think. Yeah. And then it was just too long. Like I think they overused what they should have done with him. Like just like you said, just a little bit was enough. Yeah. But um, also bringing it back to like what James is saying about it, the movie having a Guardian of the Galaxies type of feel to it or basically being like a carbon copy of it. I was expecting them to tie it more to the Guardians like towards the end or even with the post credit scene and kind of have because they're in a different world and they're, they have all these like uh, interdimensional portals that could take them anywhere in the galaxy or whatnot. They would run into them and felt like that. Oh, that's why they were melding it together because he's going to run into them. They're going to go back to Earth and they're going to see full fuck. Thanos is here. Let's throw down. But it, it never happened. The payoff wasn't there. Yeah. What'd you guys think about him losing his eye? They kind didn't of really. Glossed it, yeah, right? they kind of glossed over it. It just happened. I mean, he looks cool. They looked, at, they looked at the newest issue of Thor. They're like, we got to match it up, bro. He's yeah. Like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> fuck. He only, he only has one eye in the comics now? They're like, yep. I'm sure it'll they'll find a way to bring it back. Something time travel with Doctor Strange or something. I don't. I don't think so. I think but, he's gonna keep that. Yeah, that's. I mean, it, it's cool. Looks he good. Lost it looks, I, I like it. I think it's it cool. looks good on him. I like and the it, trailers though. If you think about it, the trailer show him with the scene where he's got the lightning. Both arc. eyes, right? Both I eyes. Brought that up, what? Yeah. What a twist there, so, yeah. everybody! You know, hands down for Disney for tricking us for once. Mm-hmm. Seriously, not like they haven't done that before. <laughs> <laughs> so. But yeah, I enjoyed it, and you know, it shows that hey, he's not. As immortal as people think. Right. Nope. So overall, I liked it. I would recommend this to obviously anybody that likes Marvel films. Um, I would say it's definitely the best Thor film out of the three. It's got a unique kind of sense of comedy to it, although it might not be for everybody down the line. I think this is a solid film. It's fun. And it's setting up more for the eventual Avengers Infinity War. I would say the same. Um, if you're a fan of Marvel, if you like comic book movies, or if you like entertaining action in general, uh, it's a really good movie. Again, like James said, good follow-up to the Marvel 
cinematic universe. Go check it out. Yeah, bring bring some kids. Um, maybe not too young, but you know, some good eight and older. Um, the family. It'll be fun. Uh, fun watch. All right, so that is episode ten in the books, guys. We made it all the way to ten episodes. That's a record. Happy ten anniversary, everyone! Oh. We made it, guys. If you do ten, you can do twenty. <laughs> so does that mean we're syndicated now? <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> maybe one day. Um, overall. Good job, guys. Been having a lot of fun doing this. Um, once again, shout out to everybody that's left us reviews, that give us uh, advice, post topics. Um, one little thing we do want to bring up, too, is that we on our next pod, or possibly the one after, we do have a new giveaway from Waterfront Comics. So that will be announced down the line. Just to let you know, that is coming. Um, in order to reach us, Marco, how to uh, give them our Facebook and Twitter there. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash moviepalspod or Twitter at moviepalspod. Again, leave us a comment. Say hello. Uh, if you have any topics you want us to discuss, uh, simply drop us a line and keep sharing, keep listening, and we appreciate you. Yep. So we will have a slight hiatus coming up here for about two. Not really, actually. No, we'll have another one in two weeks. weeks. Never yeah. mind. It's just me announcing Fooled that you. I won't be here. So, yeah. That's why we got the, like we said last time, this is why we have uh, two back-to-back episodes. Our next movie, we will be reviewing the DC Comics film, Justice League. I know somebody's really excited for it. Oh, that. I'm really excited for it. <laughs> I was like, Nabil, take off the Superman cape, bro. What do you do? <laughs> All no, right. don't jump off the balcony. <laughs> All right. Until next time, this is James. And Marco. And Nabil. Have a good one.